Hello and welcome to this episode of the Hope Covenant Church Messages Podcast. My name is John. I am the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I am just so excited that you have chosen to join us for this message. Uh, this message comes from way back on. This message comes from our Can Christians series, and it goes through some of the kind of most Googled questions about Christianity. So today we're talking about can, uh, or asking the question rather, can Christians get tattoos? And the reason that this is such a controversial question is because obviously, uh, if you haven't looked around lately, a lot of Christians get tattoos. I mean, this is just kind of a reality of the world that we live in. But the Bible, uh, at least in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus and the Levitical law, is pretty clear. So, you know, I'm going to read here before we jump into the message, because the people listening live would have heard this. Uh, but Leviticus 19.28, which says in the NRSV, uh, the New Revised Standard Version, you shall not make any gashes into your flesh for the dead or tattoo any marks upon you. I am the Lord. And so uh, we asked the question, is this commandment relevant for us today? Is it, uh, was it, w- what was the reason for it when it was originally um, put into the Levitical law? What was the original context for it? And uh, yeah, can Christians get tattoos? Let's hear some intro music and then we'll jump right in. pray after you discuss. We had Joanne read intentionally this morning. Can, should, Christians get tattoos. You have four minutes to discuss amongst your tables. Can or should Christians get tattoos? Go. So it's at this point in the service when uh, we actually discuss in tables groups of about four to five. And if you have somebody who you're listening to this podcast with, go ahead and do that. If not, just take a minute here. You can either pause the podcast or just, you know, 10 seconds. I'm going to give you of silence here in a moment um, to reflect, to ask the question to you for yourself. Can Christians get tattoos? Should Christians get tattoos after hearing that Bible verse that was just read? All right. Focus back up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, we uh, seek answers to questions that people type into Google, which in many ways has become our new way of finding out what is right and what is good and what is true. And so, for these answers, we ask that your spirit be with us, not that we would simply uh, come up with uh, some arbitrary way of proof-texting our way into a rule that we can follow to feel better about ourselves and look down upon people who don't live up to that standard, but instead that we would look to the heart of these things, that we would look to the, the meaning behind them, and that we might allow them to crucify us in a new way this morning. Lord, for those of us with tattoos, those of us without, and those of us who don't 
seem to think about these things much, we ask that you would yet be in our ear offering us something anew this morning. Pray all these things in God's name, and all God's people say, amen. All right, tattoos, up or down? What do we got? Tattoos, up or down? I, I, last week, we were united in our heresy. Tattoos up? Can Christians get tattoos? Okay, tattoos down. Who's saying no? Christians cannot get tattoos. Anybody? Anybody? No? No? Okay, we are again united in our heresy. This is great. Last week, we were talking about polyester. Not a single person said that Christians couldn't wear polyester, even though the Bible clearly says that believers are not supposed to wear polyester. So what do we do with tattoos? Well, uh, first things first. Let me, let me pull up my phone here. Usually I run my own slides. Can I actually do that? Well, let's see. Let's go to the next slide here. This morning when I got here, the kids found the stamps and they literally marked each other's foreheads. Uh, I did not tell them to do that. Nobody knew what I was talking about, uh, but they just showed up and just just started marking themselves with strange symbols. Uh, So yeah, whose idea was it? It was Selah's idea. So um, if you're looking for the culprit, it's the one who's named the word that you don't say in... uh, in, in Hebrew, Selah. Okay, before we do this, before we talk about this, um, we need to remember our main questions for this series. Remember last week we talked about how, you know, throughout history we've tried to, in, in both in, in Judaism in the Second Temple period, but, but actually beyond the rabbinical period, uh, but especially in Christianity post-Constantine, uh, and, and, and uh, especially post uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. We've always tried to look at the Old Testament commandments and and categorize them in different groups. And we had, you know, the ritual commandments, the liturgical commandments, and then we had the moral laws. And and we talked about how all of that is just made up. Like, that didn't exist in antiquity. That's not how the Hebrew people who who originally were uh, were the receptors of the text, they didn't view it this way, right? So they, they viewed all of these rules as divine commandments that, you know, the same one, getting a tattoo uh, for the Hebrew people might have been punishable by death at certain points in, in Israel's history. So we can't view this as, oh, well, they had a hierarchy of commands and, and, you know, if you murder somebody, then, you know, it's really bad. And if you steal something, it's kind of bad. And if you get a tattoo, it's just kind of a slap on the wrist. This is not how they viewed it. They didn't have a hierarchical view of the ritual commandments. They, all of these commandments were part of the same corpus, the, New, or the Old Testament, which was, which was set down, it was put together by a priestly class, probably from a couple of different sources, at least three. And so we have to ask the three questions. Number one, why does the Bible say what it says? What does the Bible say, in other words? Why does the Bible say what it says? So in this case, the Bible says don't get tattoos. Uh, I want to take a note here and say it doesn't say don't get tattoos for the dead. This is a common misreading of this text. It says, don't make gashes on your skin for the dead. Don't get tattoos at all. This is the, the, you know, the way that we would reconstruct this grammatically. So what does the Bible say? The Bible says, don't get tattoos. That's what it says. It doesn't say anything in the New Testament about getting tattoos. There is a place in the Old Testament that we're going to talk about in just a moment where it might say that you should get tattoos. But at least in the New Testament, it doesn't say get tattoos. In fact, in the New Testament, the only place where tattoos are seemingly brought up is Revelation, where it talks about getting a mark on your forehead or your hand, um, which is the mark of the beast, 
The 666, these numbers don't actually mean anything. These, this was a, a numerological way of representing Nero, the emperor of the time. So don't, don't in other words, become en enslaved to the empire. To, don't put Nero's name on your hand or your head. If they put Nero in the text, everybody who owned the text would have been murdered. So they, they, they used a numerological symbol so that they could uh, avoid that fate if, if the Re book of Revelation had ever fallen into the wrong hands. So anyway, this is what the text says. It says, don't get... And so then we have to ask, what is the context or purpose? And this is where we're focusing most of our time at every question in the series. And then finally, we conclude with, uh, does it matter? Should it matter? Does it matter for us today? That's the question that we have to ask. So let's talk about it. Tattoos. What are they used for in uh, ancient Israel's history? Why is this ban put in place? What is the context of this ban? So we all decided tattoo is probably okay for us today. I wanted to take a note here and point out that that is pretty unusual that a group of Protestant Christians came to this conclusion, uh, even in modern history. 50 years ago, this group would have been really split, okay? This group would have been really split. There are people here who know this already, who remember this. Tattoos were not something that Christians got. So unlike polyester, which by and large for the last 100, 200, 300 years has not been something that people have cared about, this is something that recently people have essentially ceased to care about. Um, and my phone's not really working, so, so I'm going to ask you guys to change the slides for me, but don't go yet. Um, so why, 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 why are tattoos banned? Well, in antiquity, the text seems to allude, or people often read the text as that it alludes to um, marks for the dead. But I actually don't think this has anything to do with it. And people in antiquity don't think that this has anything to do with it. And the reason that they don't is because uh, throughout history, as we look back in archaeology, there is no example of anyone tattooing themselves for the dead. In fact, that really only exists in modernity. Have you ever seen somebody who gets the tattoo of like their mother's face or, or the dates of a loved one on their arm? This is actually a new practice. This didn't happen in the ancient world. So we might look at that text and we might go, oh, well, you know, this, uh, this, this is exactly what we see in modern times. That's true, but they didn't have that in the ancient world. So why did they put that in? Uh, likely because in the ancient world in Babylon, this was a practice. Because remember, this book is being put together while they're in captivity to Babylon. So, so it's probably not about that. So what could it be about? Well, the next one, go to the next slide. Uh, the next one that people will put on uh, or often talk about is the practice of Sakyant, which is uh, a practice in Thailand. Uh, it's in other places too. And this is uh, the practice of getting spiritualized tattoos. So a spiritualized tattoo both in the ancient world and today, this is a modern picture of Sakyant, although probably not entirely uh, for the same purposes. Sakyant is the is or yanta, as it's also called, is the is the art, is the uh, practice of getting a tattoo that possesses supernatural power. So you get this tattoo, the tattoo is imbued, the ink is imbued with supernatural power, and you either get luck or strength, or wisdom, or perhaps the ability to divine the future, or something like this. And that's, that's what this is. That's what this tattoo is. That's an example of this. But again, it, we have to look back at when this book was written, when Leviticus was put together, 700 BCE. And, and when, that, when, when this didn't exist, 
back then. So when people like to put this out and go, oh, okay, well, this is it. Well, it's not that. Well, then what is this text about? Tattoos were symbols of enslavement. Tattoos were symbols of enslavement. I'm trying to remember, I have in here in my notes. Yeah, here we go. Hunegard and Leibowitz are two Jewish scholars in modernity who uncovered this. They looked back at ancient archaeological records and this text in Leviticus. And what they found was in ancient Egypt specifically, where the people were coming out of, there was a practice of tattooing the name of one's patron god. Because remember, most communities throughout history have been polytheistic, have had multiple gods. So you had a god of your home, a god that your family worshipped. And you would tattoo the name of that god, essentially your family name in, in, in effect, on your slaves to mark them for life. And so the idea is, when the people were coming out of Egypt, when they were coming out of enslavement, They are in the desert. And what we have in the book of Numbers and other places is the Israelite people seemingly wanting to return to enslavement. They're going, you know, it's hard out here without us. And and there's psychological reasons why communities tend to or often will return to enslavement. Uh, Victims of domestic violence will return to their abuser. Sometimes, as uh, we were learning about from filling the gap this morning, because they don't have the resources to exist on their own, but also because there are psychological traumatic trauma bonding that that takes place. And this can happen communally, too. And so this this idea that, that is put down in this text, and the reason that Joanna read all the way through to Don't Make Your Daughter a Prostitute, which was the next verse after, is because these things actually come together and what this verse is seemingly stating is, you know what? What we don't want you to do is return to slavery. We don't want you to find yourself back into a slavery position because remember, the book of Exodus, the, 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 the Exodus story, in the Exodus story, the debate between God through the person of Moses to Pharaoh is not God saying, I want my people to be free. In the book of Exodus, God says, I want my people to be my slaves, not your slaves. This is a very hard thing for us to understand. But we have to understand that this is the context of the time. And so what God is saying here, in effect, through the book of Leviticus, is, hey, look, you are now owned, you belong to me. You don't get to tattoo yourself with the marks of enslavement again, and nor should you tattoo others, nor should you become the enslavers, because oftentimes the response, a community's response to trauma is to enact that trauma against another marginalized group. And we have plenty of examples of this throughout history, where a group is liberated and then turns around and just you know, uh, oppresses another group, essentially to prevent that from ever happening again to them. And so how do we know this? Well, there's a, a really obscure um, verse in third Isaiah, Trito Isaiah, Isaiah 44, 5, where it says, <clears throat> this one will say, I am the Lord's. You see this ownership language, this mastery language. Another will be called by the name of Jacob. That's another way of saying that you belong to the, the Lord, that you're a child of the God of Jacob. And yet another will write on the hand, the Lord's a tattoo, and adopt 
the name of Israel. Essentially, what this text is offering us is that if tattooing is a sign of enslavement, that there is a, 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 a warrant to saying, if you get a tattoo that is saying, I don't belong to someone else, I, I belong to God, then it's okay. And this is, what, this is where it gets really complicated for us because we really want the rules in the Old Testament to be directly applicable, but they're really not most times. Most times the rules in the Old Testament are bound in their context. They were given for a specific purpose. And it's not to say that these rules have no application in modern history. That's why I use this slide background. We do have application of directly this in modern history. In the last hundred years, or I guess, yeah, hundred years, we have the Holocaust, where the people of Israel, the Jews, were once again tattooed that as if they belonged to another group of people. And this is why, by the way, there is a common myth that if you had a Holocaust tattoo, if, you have, if your number was tattooed on your arm, that you would not be able to be buried in a Jewish cemetery because you usually can't be. If you have a tattoo, this is a myth. Every Jewish cemetery that I've ever been able to find and research says that there is a direct allowance for this because this type of enslavement was being enacted upon the people. What what God is saying through the, 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 the authors and editors of Leviticus in this case is, look, there may come a time when you are enslaved again against your will. That's not the issue. The issue is that you go out and intentionally offer yourself into slavery again. And so, you know, this is the point in the sermon where we say, okay, well, how does this apply? If tattoos are about enslavement, if tattoos are signs of enslavement, and if this is supposed to be the nugget that we take, in the same way that polyester last week is not about wearing mixed fabrics, polyester is either about not uh, trying to give the impression that you're a prostitute or it's about uh, not trying to uh, join the sacred and the secular. In the same way, tattoos, we have to have a uh, modern view of tattoos that go along with this. How, does it, how are we today finding ourselves in places where we are offering ourselves up for enslavement? And this is a good question for us, because I think most of us would say, well, I would never do that. I'd never sell myself into slavery. And it's really easy to say that, except... I think we do it all the time. I think we offer up ourselves for enslavement all the time. Even when we know. What do you think addiction is? Addiction is absolutely a mental health crisis. What do you think it is? It's slavery. It's a person being enslaved to a substance. And when a person purposefully over and over and over resists every effort to free them of that bondage, They are intentionally moving back into that. Now, I understand, like I said, addiction is a mental health crisis. It is is a sickness. But yet, there are people who choose it. It's rare, but it exists. And we have two verses, by the way, in the New Testament that, that I think point to this really well. The first one is Galatians 5. Just in case you were wondering whether this still applies to Christians today, I think that the kernel underneath the tattoo ban is still directly applicable to us. The first one is Galatians 5. It says, for free, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. For freedom has, in Christ, for freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom. This is in opposition to Exodus, where it says that God set us, God set the people of Israel free to be his slaves. This is not what Christ does. 
Christ says, for freedom, Christ has set us free, according to the Apostle Paul. Stand firm, firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Paul says the exact same thing. This text is almost a one-to-one correlation. Hey, you have been freed from Egypt. Do not return to, to slavery by human hands again. Paul says the same thing. For you have been set free. Do not return yourself to the yoke of slavery. And by the way, if anybody ever looks at Philemon and they offer you, hey, Paul says that slaves should return to their masters, you just always point them to this and go, yeah, but Paul was a little shaky on that one. Okay. Matthew 6. We've got to go talk to Jesus, right? Jesus got to give us something about this. No one can serve two masters. For a slave will hate the one and love the other. Be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And this is where we're landing today. I said addiction is one example. There are abusive relationships as well. Again, usually mental health concerns involved there. We absolutely need to create societies that allow people avenues out with ministries like filling the gap that give people the option to get away. But yet people have to be willing to choose it. But there's one that goes beyond, I think, abusive relationships and the uh, cycles of addiction and other things like that. And I think that's wealth. I think if you really want to ask, should Christians get tattoos, what you really need to ask is should Christians find themselves enslaved to a system where more, more, more is always better, better, better? I say this quote a lot. It's a quote that my grandmother drilled into me. She said that uh, Rockefeller, when he was asked by a newspaper, how much is enough money? You know, the richest man at that point in the history of the world. He said, one dollar more. That'll be enough. This is a hard verse. Go back to it. It's a hard verse for us, built in this system, part of this world that we're born into. In the same way that it was a hard world for the people born in the desert with parents who said, we had enough to eat in in Egypt. At least least our needs were met in Egypt. So even if we say we don't plan on selling ourselves into slavery anytime soon, we have to ask the question, how are we? How are each and every one of us every day giving unbiblical allegiance to something that isn't God? How are we, this is is one for my own life and my own family, how did my dad, who we venerated and we loved, and when we lost him, it was tragic, one of the most painful things that I realized on my dad's deathbed was about two hours before he died, he got a text from his boss saying, thank you for all of your service to our company, which means that he died still giving his life to a worldly organization. Now that, that's, that's noble in one sense, but in another sense, isn't that just wrong? That in the last year of his life, he was splitting his time and serving two masters, his family and God and this company, who, by the way, has completely changed everything and completely reworked. And if he had left a year earlier, it wouldn't have mattered, probably. How do we give unbiblical alliance to our 
allegiance to our employers? How do we offer up to them more? Or to our bank account? Or to our favorite sports team? Or yes, to our country? Or any other worldly system? You might not have a tattoo of your political party. Oh, please, I hope to God that you don't. You might not have a tattoo to your political party, but here's the question. Is it as if you do? Do you give uncompromising allegiance to it as if you, they own you? As if that candidate, whoever it is, maybe they're better than the other guy or the other woman, but they can do no wrong because you got them tattooed on you somewhere? If you're doing that, I don't care what side you're part of. It's not right. That's, that's, the, that's the ban here. Are you willing to compromise all your values and all of your, to the service of a worldly system? You might not have a monument to your own security plastered on your body somewhere, but do you act like you do? Do you act like you have six months you know, six months uh, emergency fund tattooed on your chest because you serve it as if it's your God. Well, yeah, but, you know, I got to always make sure that I got this right here. I'm not asking anybody to go into debt. I think that's another form of slavery. I'm not asking anybody to give beyond what's necessary to this church or any organization. I'm just asking you if... If you're holding on to, in the service of seeking a promotion, the next job, the next pat on the head from your employer or your spouse, whatever it is, so much so that you've given over your allegiance to that thing, you might as well just tattoo it on yourself already. That's the question that we have to ask. Is it branded on you? Do you treat it like it's your master? Who's your master? That's what this text is all about. I don't have any answers for you. So we're asking questions. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you to reveal to us our masters, whomever they are. Whether they are a financial system or a bank account or an employer, a political party or an ideology, a country or our own sovereignty. Whatever we are enslaved to, Lord, free us from that bondage first and then remind us of your command in Leviticus 19, but also so many other places in the Bible, including Galatians 5 and Matthew 6, that we ought not return to our old way of slavery. Once we've been set free in Christ, Lord, never allow us to return. And for those, Lord, who have not been set free this morning, there are people here today who are waiting for the freedom in Christ that they've so heard about and they've longed for and the peace that passes all understanding. They're, they're, they're just waiting for it. They're like, I, yeah, I accepted Jesus or I said a prayer when I was a kid or I was confirmed or I was baptized or whatever. But they're not free yet, Lord. I just free them. Free them from that bondage. Free them to live fully into you. Lord, there are things that we have to do in a system like we live in. 
Saving is not wrong. Having a retirement fund is not evil. But Lord, when those things become our God, show it to us. Have us look in the mirror late at night and see tattooed on our forehead the truth. That we are in service of something else. Amen. Thank you so much for spending this last half hour with us. We really appreciate uh, your attention and the time that you've taken to delve in and ask these hard questions with us this week about tattoos, next week about what we put in our bodies, what we can eat, um, whether Christians can eat pork, which sounds like a really easy question, but maybe maybe it's not. Um, <clears throat> And uh, yeah, if you loved this, if you or or even liked it a little bit, feel free to leave us a review. It really helps. Our podcast is brand new. Also, uh, if you wouldn't mind jumping on and subscribing, just so that you can get all of this awesome, these awesome messages delivered to you on a weekly basis, we would love for you to do that if you choose to. Until next time, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. <laughs>